0: The Forum at Eight on SAFM. Good morning again. Today on The Forum at Eight, we replay you an interview with Chief Justice Mkwen Mkwen. He was talking to my colleague, Tsepiso Makwetla.
1: I think the first place to start, because uh, there are two things. Not so long ago, you uh, there was a complaint laid against you by Advocate Hoffman. And uh, he made a number of um, allegations just in terms of what he felt you, you did wrong And amongst them were contempt of court, attempt to defeat the ends of justice Bringing the judiciary into disrepute, various breaches of code of the judicial conduct for judges All very technical things But I think more importantly, it's the speech from which the complaints arise And that was on the issue of transformation And amongst some of the things that you say is that there is seemingly a concerted effort to not only undermine the JSC, but also the transformation agenda. Why do you feel that?
2: You would recall that during the April interviews of the JSC, a statement was released by one of the commissioners, Advocate Isaac Smuts, who was commissioned by the JSC to prepare a document on what his understanding of transformation of the judiciary was and before the JSC could even discuss the document he shared it with the media and that necessitated um, a media release by the JSC itself thereafter there were a number of uh, Articles in the media supportive of the of the line that he took. As the concern became intensified, rather, and also having received feedback from the international guests that we had then, that the JSC was perceived to be a racist organization, mm. it became necessary that I address the issue.
1: The words that you use in the speech is that some of these developments and obviously you weren't necessarily referring to these ones but developments that you've seen in the past couple of months during your tenure and perhaps you can just elucidate on them quite a bit is that there's a suggestion that war has been declared against transformation those are very strong words is your feeling as strong?
2: My feeling is that strong and um, those who have been watching the developments around the JSC quite closely will I believe, um, echo the same sentiments. The the JSC has been severely criticized and unfairly so. We were projected, as I said, as this racist organization that has got something against white males, when in fact our track record speaks for itself. Hmm. If you look at uh, the recommendations, even since I took office, you'll realize that we have almost at every sitting of the JSC recommended white males for appointment and not recommended black males and even women for for appointments. So these were very unfair uh, criticisms leveled against the JSC, and they had to be addressed. So
1: let's get to the nitty-gritty of a Chief Justice. You say based on the instructions giving and briefing patterns before the Constitutional Court, this really supports the fact that transformation is lagging behind take us through some of those uh, briefing patterns and i know you've also criticized state-owned entities for not playing their part in helping to transform the
2: judiciary all right let me just uh, give uh, some perspective to that You, you would recall and the viewers the listeners would recall that in 1994 when we became a constitutional democracy there were only two women in the judiciary of south africa and two black males It then became necessary that in line with the provisions of the constitution We transform the judiciary And in order to do that you need a pool of lawyers Out of which to appoint judges to the High court And courts of equivalent status Now if you don't brief advocates Who are transformation agents If you don't brief women, if you don't brief uh, black males If you don't give instructions to Uh, women attorneys and black attorneys then you are not going to have a pool out of which to appoint people through whom the judiciary can be transformed. That is why it was important and necessary to emphasize the need for government departments, state funded organizations and big business to brief these people.
1: But what do you think informs the position that you say that more than 90% of appearances before the court are white and male occasionally a junior would be a white woman, a black not good enough I beg your pardon are blacks not good enough what informs this trend that you that we're seeing you say 90 percent of appearances before the court are white and male and if they're junior it's likely to be a white woman yes. the impression created and certainly the perception is that blacks are not good enough are blacks not good enough Do, are they not skilled well enough
2: there are very good black uh, advocates and attorneys there are very good women attorneys and advocates but it is a pattern you see uh, during the apartheid era that's how the state attorney brief people that is how state-funded organizations brief people and that is how big business brief people and I suspect that the leaders in those sectors have not awoken to their responsibilities to help transform the legal profession and the judiciary by extension.
1: So what is the a constitutional court the JSC by extension also doing in ensuring in, in, in that you adequately prepare black judges coming through the ranks to aim for, for such positions and to improve as you say the briefing rate giving them weightier enough cases
2: well the JSC um, has got virtually no role to play in that regard but institutions that have a critical role to play would be the South African Judicial Education Institute, which I chair. We have aspirant judges programs, so we take these lawyers, these women, these, uh, these um, uh, black people and even white people, train them in the area of adjudication, prepare them for judicial office, so that when the need arises for people to be appointed to act, or to be appointed on a permanent basis to the high court. We have a pool available to do that. But we, I also owe it to the nation as the head of the judiciary to urge the executive, to urge parliament, to urge state-funded institutions and the private sector to give work to these people because if they don't, we, the pool is fast drying up out of which to appoint people through whom the judiciary can be transformed so government itself is to blame for this government itself is not uh, giving work to black practitioners and to women as much as they ought to if you check the records of the constitutional court alone now you'll be shocked by what is happening and the same applies to state-funded institutions What, what is the picture chief justice i i am telling you Probably 90% or much more than that If you check just what happened last week You'll be amazed what is happening When government departments are litigants When state-funded organizations are litigants You can have, just last week, let me give you an example Uh, Government was involved, state-funded institution was involved We had 17 counsel, Only one white woman, only one black male Representing an amicus curiae or the friend of the court, none of the none of the other institutions bothered at all. Out of seventeen, only one black person, only one mm. woman.
1: Chief Justice, we're going to come back to this issue because I know it informs part of uh, the greater. Uh, issues that we're discussing, especially transformation in the various areas. But I want to go back to that complaint by Advocate Paul Hoffman. And I'll tell you the reason why I do that, because there's so many areas of discussion there. Um, Various breaches of code of judicial conduct for judges. That's another complaint, as I mentioned. And we're talking about aspirant judges here. I'm going to bring it back to you now and your appointment, the controversy over your appointment basically Chief Justice, I say this with due respect, but um, you are portrayed as a yes man of the President, as somebody who is not independent, and I think what continues to be the perception is that either you yourself as a Chief Justice are not independent. There have been questions raised about the independence of the judiciary itself. How do you feel about that? Do you think you enjoy the support of the general public? Do you believe that uh, from where the public sits, you are a a legitimate
2: Chief Justice? Well, I I think whether or not I enjoy the support of the public depends on what the media fits the public with. But what we ought to be doing right now is identifying the areas of concern that were raised prior to and shortly after my appointment and saying over a period of two years, how has Mohuen performed as Chief Justice? And let me just uh, give you some, some examples of how I have performed because I think that's what the public needs to be made aware of. If you look at some of the major judgments that I have written in the Ambrosini case that opened up the door for opposition parties and members of parliament to begin to uh, introduce private bills, unhindered. If you look at the um, the Zimbabwe versus FIC judgment that relates to the refusal by the Zimbabwe judgment to a government, mm. I beg your pardon, to honor a judgment that was issued by the tribunal. And if you look at AGSA, which talks to the need for land restri- restitution to be fast-tracked and for opportunities in the economic sector to be opened up to the previously disadvantaged. Mm. There is no iota of proof in those big cases that would support the stereotype that I am the president's yes man. So what my critics ought to be doing is to say, let us look at his track record ever since he was appointed how can we substantiate the allegations that we so vigorously leveled against this man that he was the President's yes man? Chief Justice, you would agree with me
1: though that uh, the independence of the judiciary in general depends on what are seen to be tangible and intangible factors. And some of the intangible factors, or tangible depending on where one sits, is that a Chief Justice is appointed by political leaders and the chief uh, the judiciary itself operates within that political environment so one would then question rightly or wrongly whether or not the chief justice has any allegiance to the person that makes the appointment
2: it's, 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 it's legitimate for people to, to wonder whether there is any allegiance owed by the chief justice to the one appointing him or her but as I said, and you can't just focus on that to the exclusion of reality. The reality of the situation is you question the independence of the Chief Justice because you are worried whether or not this Chief Justice is going to dispense of justice or if he or she is just going to be serving the one who appointed him. But there's a and it, issues is, and it is judgments that among other things Mm. that you must look to
1: but there are are broader issues and you yourself have raised concerns about them and that is the independence of the judiciary along the fact that the judiciary does not enjoy the independence of control of its own funding and that
2: it still reports to a political head which is the the Justice Department. We neither report to Parliament, nor to the Minister, nor to the President. We are fully independent in that regard. The issue that I raised relates to institutional independence, Mm. that we don't have our own budget, we do not as yet appoint all the support staff that uh, has to help us, Uh, But it's got nothing to do with our ability to make sure that when a matter comes before us involving government or the state, we give judgment that is fair Mm -hmm. and just.
1: Chief Justice, hold the thought. I'd like us to continue looking at that. what are the changes that need to be made to improve the independence, whether it's appearance of independence of uh, the judiciary or indeed the independence of the judiciary.
0: SMS 34701 Follow us for updates and have your say on our Facebook page, AM Live on SAFN.
2: The Forum
1: at 8 on SAFM. We're taking your calls on 0891-104-208, 891, 0891 and 34701, that's the SMS hotline number. Before I go to the callers, Chief Justice. What is the progress in terms of establishing the office of uh, the cj to ensure that you have some of those issues that you've raised administrative independence that you are able to appoint your own staff that you are able to implement systems of your own you've said yourself the fact that you do need your own electronic files that uh, are within the judiciary where people in the Justice Department don't have access to them so that the impression is not created, that people have access to your judgments beforehand. The fact that you want to control your own purse strings, how does that impact on the independence of the judiciary? And I do want us to go back to the issue of whether or not, implied or not, it does uh, impinge on the in- independence of the judiciary.
2: Institutional independence is very important because... If you have the executive controlling the budget of the judiciary if you have the executive appointing support staff for the judiciary without the judiciary being allowed to determine whether or not those people are competent who they are and how are they going to be able to assist the judiciary to achieve its mission then the independence of the judiciary does get uh, compromised but this is what we did uh, just to get straight to Mm -hmm. your question when I took office, the Office of the Chief Justice had already been proclaimed a National Department by the President. But we only had an Acting Secretary General, that is the Director General of the Department, and a number of senior officials had not yet been appointed in the department. and. Um, We got down to the business of ensuring that the Secretary General is appointed and we have a Permanent Secretary General, the Private Office of the Chief Justice has been established and we've got a a number of senior officials including the CEO of the South African Judicial Education Institute appointed. So we have a strong National Department running, able to assist the judiciary meaningfully just to give you an indication of some of the functions that this office never used to have but now has with now uh, through a memorandum of understanding uh, had the administrative functions of the Constitutional Court the Supreme Court of Appeal uh, transferred to the Office of the Chief Justice and the High Courts and the Specialist Court's administrative functions are on the verge of being transferred to, to the Office of the Chief Justice. We have the JSC and Sajji's administrative functions uh, transferred to the, to the Office of the Chief Justice. So we've made a lot of, of, uh, of progress. In ensuring that uh, institutional independence become a reality in the South African judiciary.
1: We'll talk a little bit more about that, Chief Justice. Let me not hug you. There are people who do want to talk to you. Eight nine one one zero four two eight. We've got Advocate Naidu on the line from Durban. Uh, very good morning, Advocate Naidu. Uh,
2: good morning. Good morning, Chief Justice. Good morning, sir. Uh, Chief Justice, we,
3: uh, before I, I ask you uh, a questions, which I have uh, wanted to commend you on uh, bringing transformation issues to the fore and alerting of the public to the need for transformation in uh, in the legal profession especially. Um, Chief Justice, uh, as as a practicing advocate, um, and I know that you've been talking about the independence of the judiciary and and, uh, transformation, but uh, my question deals more with the uh, legal practice bill and the implications it has on the profession. Um, The judiciary and the legal profession, the attorneys uh, profession and the advocate's profession. My, my question well, my questions to you is firstly, um, the Minister wants to regulate the legal profession uh, in terms of the legal practice law. Um, my question is that more regulation of the legal profession and uh, more especially the advocate's profession, uh, not to erode the uh, foundational constitutional values of the rule of law and uh, the independence of the judiciary.
1: Okay, thanks a lot, Advocate Naidu. Kwesi, in Port Elizabeth, So, very good morning to you, Kwesi.
4: Good morning, Kepesi, and good morning to the Chief Justice. Good morning, good morning sir. First, let me, let, let me say I was one of the first people who had concerns when the Chief Justice was about to be uh, put on the bench, and uh, also due to the media speculations, so I also had concerns that he would not be independent. But I must lately say that I'm quite impressed by him, especially his uh, transformative drive. Uh, I, I just want to, to find his view. I've, I've got an issue with one particular issue uh, that uh, I've noticed in our legal system is that on the appointment of senior councils, magistrates and judges, there seem to be, a, a, a I don't know where, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not correct, but there seems to be a view that these people need to be elected from the private sector as opposed to, to, to the public sector, people like legal aid, people who actually do the actual work of protecting the people for many years. Because you would find uh, an attorney at Legal Aid would do five cases a day,
0: okay. whereas
4: an attorney in the private sector would do one case a month. But when you're looking for judges, you'll go and find people in those elite type of uh, institutions. What is the chief justice on that? And I just want to say he has done a oh, great right, job so far. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much, Quizzy. Jan in Butterworth, good morning.
4: No, sorry, it's John in Butterworth. No? It's John. Apologies.
1: Yeah.
5: I've got Okay, tanya. no problem. Hi. That's fine. Okay, uh, okay um, I just want to say, you know, um, I watched the initial, um, shall I say, um, uh, reception that uh, the Judge President was interviewed and things like that. And uh, as he quite rightly said, he's, uh, the, the attitude that it seems as he's now drawn a line on a war on transformation and so on and so on. Uh, my point is that somebody in such a critical uh, role in the country where the whole Constitution lies in his hands why can't it be instead of divisive? Why can't it be more cons- uh, reconciliatory in terms of all right you know let's say you, you, this portion of the of the of the um community mm. advocates and so on, you guys have been better in the past now we're going to turn things around. we need your buy in. Let's find a better way to get it done okay. and still achieve the necessary gain instead of creating this war zone all the time. All so right. That's Thanks what comes John. to us on the field. Thanks.
1: Thanks John. John and Butterworth and of course I'll get the Chief Justice to respond to you in just a moment. Let me read some SMS's This one says, after turning back the case for the Margana funding should we still rely on the Concord to be on our side not on government side, says Pio in KZN. I think that's a very interesting one Chief Justice that we should get to and Skavot, He says the transformation of the judiciary is a constitutional imperative. The CJ should continue with it without fear or favor. I'll read more SMSs. Do keep them coming. 34701 on Twitter at AM Live on SAFM.
0: Follow us for updates and have your
1: say
2: on our Facebook page. AM Live on SAFM. Email us on
0: alive at SABC.co.za. AM Live on SAFM 104-107. Half past eight, uh, let's update uh, your news uh, as we take a break uh, from uh, that interview with uh, the Chief Justice Mokhwem Mokhweng. Welcome back. You're still listening to a one-on-one interview with uh, Chief Justice Mokhwem Mokhweng here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, and this is the forum at eight.
1: We had two calls. Advocate uh, Naidu earlier on uh, talking about the Legal Practice Bill. That's obviously uh, been a controversial one and uh, one that has uh, raised a lot of eyebrows. But I- I'd like to, before you get to answer, but perhaps in your in your mind, give us a little bit of perspective. What you, what you think about the necessity of the Legal
2: Practice Bill? Well, I may just as well answer the question because my answer is very short. We took a decision as the heads of courts under the leadership of former Chief Justice Shuskelson that we're not going to get involved as sitting judges in the discussion of the legal practice bill. Some of us were advocates before we were elevated to the bench. Others were attorneys. And more importantly, this is a matter that is likely to result in litigation and no saving judge would be um, no serving judge uh, ought to get involved in the discussion because then you would be forced to recuse yourself if the matter does come before the court in which you, you serve. So I'm not going to... And
1: no doubt, if you answer now, that will reveal some form of
2: bias. Absolutely. Okay, so then a uh, question, uh, as well as John. Kwesi's question relates to the, to the fact that prosecutors and those who serve the legal aid board as lawyers are not considered for appointment to high judicial office. It is quite correct. Prosecutors are ordinarily appointed as magistrates but there seems to be a problem um, when it comes to their appointment to the high court. Now the matter is before the judicial service commission now we've asked members of the judicial service commission to prepare documents the one explaining why it is advisable not to consider uh, prosecutors for appointment to the high court and the other suggesting that uh, it is in fact a good thing to do so. So the matter is under discussion, we will appreciate as many representations as possible to the Judicial Service Commission so that we can have the benefit of people's uh, experiences and wisdom before the final decision is taken. We familiarize ourselves with the position in other countries like Ghana, like like Germany, but um, it is it is not proper that um, I explain what the position is right now, safe mm-hmm. to say that the matter is receiving attention. John. Uh, correctly says that uh, the right thing for the Chief Justice to do is not to create division but to reconcile all the sectors of society in relation to matters that affect the, the judiciary. The difficulty does arise though when a very important matter has been devi- debated in the in the public arena and nobody is saying anything contrary to the incorrect information that is being disseminated about the, the judiciary. I had to step in at the time when the judiciary and the Judicial Service Commission were being projected as somewhat racist. Something had to be said, it had to be said strongly so that people realized just how serious the matter was. Generally, I wouldn't want to get involved in public debates. I think it is something that I should stay away from and hopefully going forward organized profession, members of the organized profession and Mm. members of the public will take over the Kajals and do what should be done by them and that is participate in this uh, debate in the But your, Arena
1: But by your own admission Chief Justice you've said anybody who touches this matter of uh, transformation yes. uh, you said it in fact it's not for the faint-hearted yes. that they should ready themselves to be attacked that yes. they should ready themselves to come under extreme mm-hmm. scrutiny so do you not think that uh, you may not have the opportunity, especially if you say you are the head of the judiciary, you're the leader of the judiciary in this country, and it's such an important issue, which also relates to access to justice, which is something we'll talk about in
2: just a moment. What I will never fail to do is rise to the challenge when no other person is prepared to do so in circumstances where distortions are disseminated as a matter of course about the judiciary or the judicial service commission i first wait by the way for people to speak countering the damaging information that might be disseminated against the the judiciary or the judicial service commission but when it becomes evident that nobody is prepared to speak then it becomes my responsibility to say that I got straight.
1: You said that this has even impacted on South Africa's reputation internationally, yes. Hassan. Huh,
2: well, for starters, in April, when we had that Commonwealth uh, Lawyers Conference in Cape Town, officials in the office said to me, you know, the chief justices have, arriving at the airport have been reading the media reports to the fact that the Judicial Service Commission is, uh, is racist, and they are worried about this. And when I went to, to London, I was interviewed by CNN and, uh, and BBC Hato. They raised the same issue, but what is wrong with the Judicial Service Commission? You are overlooking good people. Are you a racist organisation or what? That is quite damaging. You know why? Investors require a judiciary that is impartial. They don't want a judiciary that is beholden to the executive or a sector of the, of the society. Because if the judiciary is beholden to some people, and you invest your money in that country, what guarantee do you have that they are not going to rule in favor of those that, are, that they are beholden to in case you have a dispute with them? What guarantee do you have that such a partial judiciary is not even corrupt? They cannot be given money to rule against you. It's important to protect the impartiality, the independence, and the integrity of the judiciary. That's why we're on
1: the subject. Idea. I wanted us to talk about access to justice, but seeing that we are already on the subject, you 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 have uh, presented your preferred court administration role, also in line with judicial policy norms and standards. If you could just take us through what is that model, and uh, in line with international best practice
2: on that. If you look at the core administration model of uh, Ghana, the United States of America and the Russian Federation, to mention very few countries, you'll realize that the judiciary actually controls its own budget, it controls its own staff, it appoints its own staff. Obviously, the judges don't have to be fully involved in the day-to-day running of uh, those operations, but there are officials dedicated to court administration. So we would want, just like the NPA, for instance, but more importantly like the NPA, the Chapter 9 institutions, including the Auditor General, to have our own budget that we control. We shouldn't be asking for money every time there is something to be done. Let me just give you an example of what really drove the point home to me that we need to be independent as soon as possible i went to the western cape high court last year and the judge president and the deputy said to me we don't have stationery i said what do you mean you don't have stationery they said we are not permitted by the department of justice to buy a stationery that we need for the day-to-day operations of the court i was shocked and that drove the point to me that it's important that at least in relation to things so basic as stationery and library material, we are able to buy them without having to seek permission elsewhere.
1: When you say as soon as possible, where are the talks with the Justice Minister at the moment and and, and government in general in ensuring that happens as soon as possible?
2: You know, the Minister for Justice and Constitutional ju- uh, uh, constitutional mm-hmm. development has been very supportive as i indicated earlier already uh, the functions of the constitutional court the supreme court of appeal are already with the office of the chief justice and an agreement has already been entered into in relation to the transference the, the transfer of the administrative functions of the high courts and courts of equivalent status and if you look at the superior court act and the 17th uh, constitution amendment act that were driven by the minister and parliament to bring into being, they all point to the urgent need to establish an independent court administration system.
1: But where is that process, Chief Justice? The urgent pro- your urgent yes. and my urgent may be different. Oh. You want that as soon as tomorrow How likely is it that it could happen by next year?
2: Well, the report that I received from the Secretary General is that uh, come April next year we should be having our own uh, budget vote. 089110428
1: 089110428 oh, one, one, oh, eight, in conversation with the Chief Justice. Uh, Chief Justice, there is an SMS that was from Spoon and we'll talk about. We'll get to it in just a moment. I just want us to take this batch of callers in terms of Marikana, uh, the funding issue. That is something that I think uh, listeners would really like to hear the opinion of the Chief Justice. Let's go to Tony in the Eastern Cape. How do we reconcile local and international law is the question you asked, Tony.
6: Good morning, good morning, ma'am. Good morning good to morning. the Chief Justice. Good,
0: good morning, sir.
6: Uh, Chief Justice, um, um, uh, uh, the second thirty-nine of the Constitution provides that. Um, I'm going to go to uh, subsection uh, B. It says it must consider international law when you interpret the Bill of Rights. Now, Chief Justice, I want to find out this morning is that Um, uh, 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 the the, the word, the vocabulary utilized there in this subsection must actually place an obligation there's no prerogative to be utilized there it's an instructive English Uh, how do you reconcile that Uh, As South Africa I understand we are a member state of the international labor organization Uh, 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 South Africa's obligation And and I want to just quote One of these uh, uh, ILO principles When it comes uh, 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 This comes from What happened in Marikana The Minority Trade Union Where the the rights of minority unions uh, The ILO Digest 1996 Says that uh, uh, Minority unions Must be allowed to, 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 To represent Their members and apart from the fact that the law of the country recognizes the majority issue, but minority unions must be allowed to carry out the activities and at least they have the right to speak. Now I want you to uh, just to explain to us how you reconcile South Africa's obligation to the international treaties vis-a-vis section 39 and also Tony. subsection 1 of
0: Tony. the LRA.
1: Thanks a lot for that. To do is Butterworth. You want to talk about the appointment process?
0: Hello, SSM, how are you? Fine, how are you? To I'm fine. No, I'm rising only on a very simple question. Yes. Around the appointment of the Chief Justice, which I was not comfortable when it was articulated. The Chief Justice is appointed by the state. When the President appoints, makes appointment, appointment, is doing it in his capacity as the head of state, not the head of the executive. Now, that's a clear constitutional position. Secondly, when Chief Justice McQueen was nominated, nominations were open. Everybody was supposed to nominate whoever they thought was fit for the position. Again, no other nominations were received except his name. Mm. This chief justice was interviewed for two days. Two days. And he raised the occasion. Okay. Without fail. Now... So is, I hate to rush,
1: but what is the point that you're getting to?
0: Not, the point that I'm getting to is that, is this question of the fact that if he, therefore, is appointed by the president, there's a probability that he may owe. Uh, some form of loyalty. Okay. Now we need to understand the question of the composition of the JSC and understand the law that the president does not have a choice once the JSC makes the recommendation.
1: All right. Thanks, Intodusi. I'm going to go to Billy in Midrand now. You say the Constitution has no impact on men and women. Do I, I understand you, you correctly, to... Billy?
0: Yeah. I'd like to address this to your uh, esteemed guest there and just make a statement, and then I'll listen on the radio, unless you would like to engage me, but I know there's a queue. Document of no authority. The South African Constitution is a document of no authority to a man or a woman. It only applies to persons, government employees, or citizens by consent. Nowhere in the document does it state it applies to a man or a woman. A person is a jurisdiction. It is a Artificial fiction or a straw man, which is linked to an ID book. So, and also the concourse is just a, it's a, it's, if you've got money, you can get somewhere. If you've got no money, you can't get anywhere. All so right. I just wanted to put that out there. Thanks very much.
1: Thanks, Billy. Well, Chief Justice, um, if I, I could ask you to leave Billy's answer for last, because then that'll lead us to the discussion that I've been itching to have, and that is access to justice in this country and where we are with that. So, if I could get you to speak to Tony, the question that he was asking about international law versus
2: uh, local law. Um, maybe let me start with the Marikana one. Okay. Yes, please do. Um, you know, the Marikana. Uh, question is a very difficult one. All we had to do as constitutional court judges is look at the case as it was presented to us and decided purely on the basis. Now I understand the concern by members of the public that this is a situation that required intervention and sensitivity. We were being very very sensitive but unfortunately we always have to confine ourselves the papers as presented to us, and decide the matter on the on the law that speaks to the to the matter. Chief that is Justice,
1: us. I realise you've made a ruling, but there is a reality, and that is there are commissions of inquiry, and they've become our reality in this country. Yes. the floor is now open to make changes to make suggestions on what to do going forward there have been fundamental questions asked here about whether or not this kind of situation allows everybody access to justice people who should have a say in this current process what is your view do you believe that perhaps government should relook look at the model of commissions of inquiry the funding that goes to these commissions of inquiry and does it undermine access to justice for people who are not able to pay an attorney to represent them as commissions of inquiry
2: well the second leg of that application as I understand it is going to serve before us and it would be unfortunate if I were to venture an answer into a matter that is that is very likely to come back to us after the High Court would have given judgment Tony talks about the applicability of international law to South Africa and that uh, there is a must in section 39 to what the court simply has to do is consider it does not always have to as a matter of course apply international law you consider it does it apply is it appropriate to the particular case and if it is not then you don't uh, you don't apply it again i i watch the news I listen to the news i have got a fair sense of what uh, has been happening between Amku and Nam. It is something that may well hit the courts. It would be unfortunate if I were to venture an opinion in, uh, in Perhaps the Perhaps I could of the ask you a question on that but uh,
1: it's unrelated, but it just goes back to the issue of independence, but I'm glad you asked it but judges themselves are members of the population, so by implication it means you have your own thoughts processes your feelings your thoughts what guides you as an individual because there is an assumption out there that as human beings while there are rules that they you are immune to what goes on but it, it's not entirely true is it even though you do have rules before you that govern you on how to make decisions or not to make decisions
2: well um it is true we we live in uh, in, in the same um, society that uh, that you live in uh, we are not absolutely immune from what affects other people. For instance I'm driven by my background from from a very poor village I'm driven by my background living in a township, the poorest section of the township Munziwa from 1997 mm-hmm. up until, up until July 2010 So whatever I do The way I approach my work Is informed By the suffering of the people That I lived with And whenever I go back to my village As I was over the weekend I remember these are the people who need access to justice they don't have the money to travel to the courts that are far removed from them what is it that needs to be done to make life easy for them when they have cases so we do have uh, opinions but what is important is don't superimpose your opinions on the law. How easy is it to do that, Chief Justice? Because while
1: you may quote a benevolent example, there will be somebody who has grown up in a racially oppressive background. We've seen court judgments that uh, belie that, according to observers, that uh, are not progressive In terms of the general atmosphere of transformation in this country, how do we ensure that people don't superimpose those
2: experiences? Well, one, the constitution the constitution is there to guide us. Two, the South African Judicial Education Institute is there to offer training not just to aspirant judges, by the way, but also orientation to newly appointed judges and education, ongoing education to judges who have been in the field for a long time.
1: Are there problems that you see at the moment as a Chief Justice where there are judgments that tells you that there are weaknesses in that area?
2: There will always be weaknesses. There are weaknesses in judgment writing. There are judges who reserve judgments for rather too long. Uh, you, You must have heard the story of a judgment that was reserved for some five, six years. And that informs our training. What is it that would cause a judge to keep a judgment uh, reserved for such a long time? And what kind of training do we need to to offer our judges so that Mm. they are able to write judgments, quality judgments, expeditiously and members of the public don't have to wait for too long?
1: Chief Justice Billy raised a question about uh, constitution is a document of no authority on man or woman.
2: It applies to all of us. It binds all of us. Um, I have to respect your freedom of religion, for instance, uh, your freedom of conscience, your freedom of thought. I have to respect that. And if I violate that freedom, then I'm in trouble. I've got to respect your right to dignity. And if I insult you in a manner that cannot be protected by my right of freedom of speech, then you're entitled to take me to court because the the Constitution requires of me to respect your dignity. Chief Justice, then let me raise a very important question. There
1: there has been a concern raised within society that uh, economic disparities are determining who has better access to justice. We have people who have been jailed and come out of jail... Or, or put on parole, and yes, there's a parole system, et cetera, but there, there is an impression by some that people with more money are able to better utilize the system, are able Sorry. to even manipulate the system. And, and I also want to to talk about Equality Quotes and their role in, in mitigating some of these impressions.
2: Well, Billy raised the question. He says, for instance, the Constitutional Court is for those who have the money. It is true, those who have uh, the money are able to get the best uh, advocates, the best attorneys available, and as many of them as they want to prosecute their case all the way through to the Constitutional Court. It is for that reason that we are in the process of simplifying rules, making them user-friendly so that even if you are not a lawyer, any member of the public can read the rules of any court, understand them, and be able to present their own cases in any court. For instance, a year or two ago, we had a, a litigant who was not legally trained, Mr. Mutupem from Soweto. He prepared his documents, filed them in the constitutional court, and represented himself. He spoke. Though he did not uh, win his case, you know, at the end of his, uh, his argument, he... Post for a while and thank the court for having afforded him the opportunity to be heard as a South African What we often do is that when litigants come before us and they are not represented We facilitate legal representation for them We write to uh, organizations that that offer free legal advice and representation to uh, deserving cases And say, wouldn't you help? We write to the bar and say the General Counsel of the Bar and say can't you make an advocate available to help this person so we're playing our own mm. part to facilitate what access is the to
1: final justice. question Chief Justice? The Equality Courts, there is still a problem that not enough people know about them not enough people even know where they are so how can they create greater access to justice and give justice if people don't even know where to find them?
2: It is not just the Equality Courts simply so People know very little about the judiciary. People know very little about what, 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 what is it that the Chief Justice is supposed to do. Others think that all I have to do is write judgments and that's about it. They don't know about the many administrative responsibilities that lie on my shoulders. People do not, cannot tell the difference between a magistrate's court and the high court. And you'll be amazed. Senior members of the executive and parliament do not as do not know as much as they ought to know about the judiciary and how the judiciary functions. That is why I have recently established a national committee that is going to develop a comprehensive uh, communication strategy for the judiciary so that we can. Uh, Determine how best to communicate our core business and ourselves to the broader public And that's partly why I at long last accepted the invitation to participate in this program In
1: closing, Chief Justice, what do people not know about you? How do you, after shaking off your robes and
2: everything else And all the stresses of the things that we throw at you? Well, during my spare time, I spend my time with, uh, with my family My wife and children, my grandson And um, I go farming a bit. I like animals. I like game driving. Um, I love listening to gospel music. And uh, I really enjoy life. I don't have the kind of stress that people think I have. Somehow I've developed the the capacity to enjoy life in a very strange way.
0: That was uh, the one-on-one interview by Tepiso Makweta with uh, the Chief Justice Mokweng Mokweng. And thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye.